You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Igenu Udeze Nuosu, otherwise known as EJ, Head of Impact Spending at Kaiser Permanente. EJ, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. I am absolutely thrilled to be here with you today. Well, let's see. I have a question for you before we even begin. And this is something we were talking before the show began about how all of us being a little bit more homebound lately than usual. For someone like you who is constantly on the road or in the air, as the case may be, and has just as much a love for travel for personal purposes as for business, you've been everywhere or just about everywhere. But what's still on the bucket list? Where do you need to get to one of these days? I am itching, itching, itching to get to Italy. We have not been. It was on our list to go to this year. And we were having our delayed honeymoon trip. I'm a newlywed of four years. I'm still claiming it. And so really was trying to get to Italy, was trying to get to especially Milan and Santorini. So Mm. it is on the list. We will make it there. COVID will not stop us. (laughs) Well, I'll be shortly behind you. That's some place that I keep meaning to get there. I am primarily Italian heritage, and it just never seems to happen. I managed to get everywhere else, and that one, it's on the list. We may have to do a a double trip. Let's make it happen. (laughs) That sounds great. I am always ready for a fun travel companion, and we'll go and have some fun, as long as you're willing to eat. Eat and drink. Let's do it. I'm going to eat my way through the peninsula. Is that That the goal? That is a beautiful thing. We are in this together. (laughs) Terrific. All right. Now tell me and tell everybody else out there who may not be familiar with the term, what exactly is impact spending? Great question. So impact spending is really looking at how you create greater impact through the spend of your organization. And it's really driving both business impact and social impact. So my role and what I do and what driving impact spending is, is really making sure that the spend at Kaiser Permanente in particular is environmentally sound, it's socially equitable, and it is overall environmentally sustainable. And all of those things need to work in harmony so that we are maximizing the power of our spend. Nice. So in that role, then, who do you need to influence? Everybody. Because as you can imagine, this is an intersection of a lot of different spaces. We're talking about environment, we're talking about economics, we're talking about core operations, and we're talking about the community, all intertwined together. All of those stakeholders aren't necessarily looking at the same end goal. And at the end of the day, what we're driving for is that we are creating a more equitable, a more just, and a more thriving community in terms of our members, in terms of the businesses, in terms of all of those things. So we're talking about CEOs of multiple organizations. We're talking about internal stakeholders, people from, you know, you're talking about equity, inclusion, and diversity to government relations, to community health, (laughs) to environmental sustainability, to procurement and supply, 
to finance. All of those entities need to be working in harmony. That's a lot of languages to speak all at once. Oh, yeah. But you managed to translate. I am. And we, you know, we met initially, I told you, I am really, I consider myself a translator. I consider myself a connector and a translator. And whether that's through communities, whether that's through business, whether that's through entities, whether it's through people, it's doing that translation so that we can ultimately get to the greater good for all of us. In order to do that, then what's the biggest communication challenge that your Kaiser is facing today? Well, Kaiser is positioned as being a leader. Right. So when you're a leader, there's a lot of pressure on you to get it right and to do it right. And so there's this instinct to if you don't have it right, then should you get out there and say anything at all? Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest challenge now is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Nobody has the right solution right now. And as me as an individual, the organization, there's no one organization that knows right now. If we did, we would not be with the impact of the pandemic, the impact of the economic downturn, and the impact of all of the social, racial, environmental unrest that's going on right now. So you got to listen. You have to be willing to take a risk. And quite frankly, we have to get very comfortable being uncomfortable and not knowing. That seems to be the phrase that pays nowadays, getting comfortable with the discomfort. How do you do that? What's a step or what does that look like on the ground? What's one way? One way is, you know, a lot of us, were type A, we want to get things done. And I think that that's, you think about success and you think about there are things we have to get accomplished. I have this list. I have a target. This is what we're going after. And I have to know. This is really saying, I don't know. And it's okay not to know, and it's okay to fail as long as you are failing and failing quickly. And that is a hard thing for people to get used to and even to say out loud. Who gets up and says, I'm going to be okay failing today? But if you don't, then we're not going to excel and propel forward. So what's an example of a place where where it's okay to fail or where you've tried and failed and are now trying again, you personally or the organization? What's a try, fail, and back up on your feet? I can give you case in point, even when the pandemic first hit and, you know, we're all running, scurrying, you know, trying to figure out what do we do? Well, quite frankly, trying to secure and ensure the safety of our employees and our physicians, et cetera. Well, I'm accountable for the work that we're doing in the community with our business community, especially our minority, diverse, small business community. When the pandemic hit, And, you know, the spigot turned off for a lot of businesses because things were shutting down. There was this moment of panic where it was, I'm not sure what to do right now. I do not know what to do. I do not know how to help the businesses at hand. I had business owners, grown men with multi-million dollar businesses calling in tears saying, Mm. if you don't give us work, if I don't get work, I am destroying people's families and livelihoods because I have to lay off my staff. I need to lay off my team. And so imagine just being in that position and felt like I am failing the people who are relying on us every day and really personally had to take a step back, pause, one, get over the hero complex of Mm. Who who am I? Who are we to say that we are saving anyone? Move that out of your vocabulary. And it was also 
take a step back and listen. What are the pain points? And so we really, and the team galvanized around listening to our members and listening to the businesses in our communities and asking them, what do you need? What are you equipped for? What are your biggest pain points? And then we started coming up with solutions and toolkits that were speaking to and answering those questions the questions that were really burning for them. And the flip side was also talking to anchor institutions and big organizations or entities within the communities, right? And asking them, okay, what do you need? Because it's one thing to shore up and, you know, the smaller minority diverse businesses and ask them what they need. But what do the mega organizations who are spending the money, what do they need? What are they looking forward to? What do they need to be partnered with? And then having the ability to match those things together. But it was first starting with, I don't have the answers. Don't have them. There's no way I could. And saying, okay, get past your pride, your ego, whatever that is. And some of it really is ego because you want to do. And sometimes you have to stop and slow down before Mm -hmm. you can go fast. So in that learning curve, as you mentioned, you fail, you try again until you sort of figure things out in whole or in part. So what is an example of a mistake that you made or a lesson that you had to learn the hard way on the communication front, of course? Communication front. And I'll take it away from the, you know, the here and now. I think one of the biggest ones for me was the lesson of finding my own voice and Mm. being okay with finding my own voice and not having it be defined by others. So there was, in particular, I was asked by an organization, I'll protect the name to protect the innocent, of course, but was asked by an organization to come and speak at a forum they were holding. It was a very prestigious, very large forum that they were holding. And they came to me because of some of the work that I'm doing in the community, some of the boards that I was sitting on. I sit on, you know, the board of Girls Inc. of Alameda County. I sit on the board of Makers Ad. You know, so there are several, you know, things that I'm connected to in that way. And I was like, wonderful, great. Let me circle back in and talk to the powers that be and let's figure out a path forward. And I came back to my institution at the time And I talked to my leadership and said, oh, here's an opportunity. This is what I want to do. This is what they've asked me to do. Here's sort of how I'm thinking about approaching it. And I got stopped dead in my tracks. And my leadership said to me, oh, that's a great opportunity. But I think it should be an opportunity that we give to somebody else. Mm. So we want you to not only decline the opportunity, but tell them that you want to give them someone else internal to the organization to take on this opportunity because it's, you know, it's a critical thing that we want to be a part of. And by the way, we want you to go and convince the person internally that this is something that they should do. Now, why did they believe that you weren't the right fit for that role? Why did they want to give it to somebody else? Well, it was interesting because a lot of the role that I was doing was behind the scenes. Mm. So the other thing I am very good, one of my superpowers, and I think we all have them, but one of my superpowers is I really help other people find their superpower and shine, right? Okay. So I'm fine when it's my time to be behind the scene. Beautiful. And it was just starting to find my comfort with being in front of the scene as opposed to behind the scene. And this was one of those defining moments in was it okay for me to still stay behind the scene? And they felt because that's, you know, I had been building up other 
personas and other personalities that that's what I should, you know, I should continue to do. That was my superpower. And it was hard. I actually had to take a step back. And again, that ego thing, because your pride gets wounded. Because I thought they came to me. This wasn't something I sought after. I was in demand. So it was that moment of, am I more of a value inside of the organization I sit in? Or am I more of a value to folks who are outside of the organization I sit in? And it was this moment of it hurt and it cut for a minute. It also was a renewal. And sort of I got emboldened by it where it was, let me share with you my worth in case you don't understand what it is. So did you end up giving it to the other person? Or Absolutely you- not. <laughs> yeah, good. I ended up pushing back and it was difficult conversations, a few difficult conversations, but I proved my case of why I owned the opportunity. It was my opportunity to have her pass up. Had they wanted someone else, they would have asked someone else. And I was fully equipped and ready to stand in and do it. And it ended up being a phenomenal event, both for me as an individual on behalf of the organization I was representing as well. So for me, it was an example of you got to own your voice. And even if someone else is telling you no, if you know in your heart of hearts that this is for you, then for me, I had to own it. And it was for me. And so I had to own it. Absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. You're so busy building others and being part of the team that a lot of people are not as good at tooting their own horn or at least throwing their hat in the ring. Let's put it that way. It's not so much about bragging. It's about saying, I want this. I'm ready for this. This is something I can do as a leader in whatever momentary opportunity. And sometimes people have to be told directly, no, you need to, if you want this, say so. Don't expect people just to understand it. You got to step up sometimes. You have to step up and also as a woman, because it's also, you know, in a lot of (laughs) the the corporate workspace, you are dealing with this disproportionate view of how women should show up and should appear. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself falling prey to that of, you know, if my male colleague who didn't have half of the skill set or experience I had, had no problem stepping forward, talking about all that he could potentially do while I was still trying to, you know, justify by what I had done. And it really was another aha moment of even as a woman having to check myself and say, no, you don't have to prove and continue to prove and justify yourself walking your own power. And so I am every day have to remind myself, walk in your power, <laughs> EJ, do it. All right. There's the lesson to everybody from day to day, man or woman out there. I don't care. However you identify, walk in your own power. I love that. I'm going to write that on my bathroom mirror, walk in your own power. Then what's next? What's the next big goal, either for you personally or for Kaiser Permanente? And what communication skills are you going to need to further develop to achieve that goal? So this year has been a tumultuous one, as we all know. And for Kaiser Permanente, let me start there because, you know, was crafting the strategy and the work of the next five years for my area. The focus was really around, we are going to create impact beyond our walls. Kaiser Permanente, you know, we have $22 billion in addressable spend that, you know, going out every day. But we cannot, as Kaiser Permanente, spend our way to the prosperity of the communities and the businesses within our footprint. We can't do it. We are but one, right? So how do we create those partnerships, those allyships 
to come together to really drive impact, greater impact beyond our walls. You know, my theme song of the season <laughs> is a song by Neo. And it's, you know, it sounds a little funny, but truly it's, I'm a movement by myself, but we're a force when we're together. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's really about. There's things you can do as one, but together we are a force. So, you know, the goal right now is create who's going to be part of the team, get on board or get out of the way, because we are here for good. And I think that is the important thing. This is not about edifying Kaiser Permanente. This is not about building up any one or other individual entity. This is about what we can do as a collective to make the world better. And so my my personal mantra in that, and this goes to what the communication looks like, is it is around be better, just be better. So how can I be better? That's the question every day. How can I be better? How can you be better? How can this alliance of these organizations coming together be better? And so I'll give you an example of a partnership we are in right now with the Healthcare Anchor Network. And it's a conglomeration of health plans across the country. And we said, let's get together and figure out what good we can create together for the masses. And so this impact agenda that Kaiser Permanente has around, you know, supplier diversity, around community and economic impact, around environmental sustainability, we said, okay, how do we partner with other healthcare systems to have that on the agenda for all of us? Again, movement by myself, mm. but we're a force when we're together. And so in partnership, we are really looking to turn the tide on not just the healthcare system, but the people. It is about humanity. Right now is a call for humanity. So we need to be better for humanity. So again, when we talk about communication and what what is needed in that, it has to be about the heart. What is the why? And the why is we need to do better and be better because it's not about us. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, what was the name of that song again? So we can make sure we get it in the show notes, the reference, so people know what to look for. You Make Me Better by Neo. There you go. Okay, there's your inspiration song. That's going to go, when you're writing that other message on your mirror in the bathroom, Exactly. Neo. Excellent. Exactly. So EJ, this brings us to the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. Given everything we've discussed so far, this is your chance to speak directly to the listeners and to challenge them to take one step that they can complete within the next 24 hours to have more influence. How do you want to challenge our listeners today? (laughs) I want to, I know because I feel it in my spirit. My challenge to you is decide one thing, one thing you want to be better at. One thing. Okay. It could be, I want to be a better mother and spend time with my children. I want to be a better executive and build up my business acumen. That one thing. And my challenge to you is to not only write it down, Mm -hmm. but to tell one person, at least one other person, write it down, tell that one person and tell that person, I need you to come back to me in exactly one week and ask me what actions I've taken. Because this is about making a commitment to yourself, having somebody else hold you accountable and you holding yourself accountable. So set yourself up for success. The accountability partner, right? Once you've said it, once you've spoken it into reality, once you've spoken it into being, all right, now somebody's going to follow up. Time to let the rubber meet the road. One of my favorite, my father used to say it to me all the time. 
are you going to be an enemy of progress? Ooh. Right. So. And that's your own progress too, not just it is, progress. It's your of- own progress. So you can be your own enemy of progress. All right. Well, this, so now you've got your marching orders, go out, make your decision, commit and tell someone and ask them to hold you accountable, make them commit to coming back to you within a week. All right. There's what you got. It's not just do something. It's what are you going to do to be better? Be better. Better. I love it. All right. This brings us to the next part, which is about guiding others on the journey. So how would you define executive presence or otherwise, how would you identify it in others? How do you know it when you see it? So I am one, I hate the phrase executive presence. Okay. And let me tell you why. Great. Because oftentimes it's used as that catch all when Mm -hmm. you don't know exactly what to name or to call something. Sure. So you have this, you know, I don't quite know how to tell you that you're not quite ready to go to this level. So I'm going to throw to you, you need to work on your executive presence. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's not backed up. So what does that mean? Is that my look? Is that my voice? Is that my, and I think it is all of the above. It is how you connect, how you relate, how you motivate, how you drive, how you appear. It is what the takeaway is in that 15 seconds of introduction that someone says, okay, this is who this person is. This is my takeaway. And so it is, it's a tangible intangible. Yes. You know? Yep. And that's why it's a hard one to wrap your arms around. I would strongly encourage when people ask you, you know, work on your executive presence or, you know, what is your executive presence? I would strongly encourage you to ask them, tell me specifically, what are the areas does that entail? Because for some, it's their speech yep. is how they communicate. But if it is about your speech and not your appearance, because a lot of times there are people who are in a role and you are dressing and looking and performing and behaving like the role that you're currently in. Yes. And not the role that you want to be in and the way you want to be seen. Yes. So if I am a manager, I'll give you an example. If I'm a manager and I'm brought into a room of executives, and this happened to me, you know, on my career trajectory, sure. I had a wonderful career of being the youngest in the room mm-hmm. and being brought along. Because I would advise whatever senior executive I was with behind the scenes, tell them my thoughts, ask questions. And so they would invite me into the next room with them. So I'm in a room listening to these conversations, hearing how leaders interact with each other and having this this advantage that many, you know, within my, my demographic, quite frankly, did not have. And I got very comfortable being on the sidelines, listening and advising from afar. Mm-hmm. Right. So I didn't bring my voice to the table because I was brought in. So I figured since I was there as a guest, I needed to not have a voice. And in not having a voice, I was always thought of then as this person who was in the room without a voice. That's not a leader. I can advise, I could say whatever after, I can give you an opinion afterwards. And so there was a moment when a mentor of mine said to me, I need you to open your mouth. The things that you're texting me for me to say, the things that you are asking me questions about in the moment, you need to be the one to present that and open your mouth and say that in the room. And I was like, me? (laughs) 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 That's not what I do. (laughs) I'm good over here. 
but it was a huge lesson. And I literally had to, I remember the first time that I did it and sitting in this, you know, executive boardroom, shaking on the inside, saying my own little personal mantras in my head, you can do this. You can do this. Greater is he who's in you. You can do this. (laughs) And honestly, you know, in the room, I, you know, spoke up. I said, well, I have a question. That was my technique. Sure. I just posed everything in the form of a question. And that was my entree into the room, into the conversations. And I'm getting you've gotten a lot better at making statements than just asking questions at this point. Oh, God, yes. But it was a transition. I'm saying it was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. For me, it started with the question. Everyone's willing to answer a question and to be helpful because you're not you're not contradicting them. Mm. You're just asking for clarity. And so I did that. And all of a sudden, you know, within the next two months, actually my position, I got pulled into a different role because then I was viewed differently. Now, if I had just stayed with, you need to work on your executive presence. And so I start working on business acumen. I would have missed the mark. It was really about understanding what exactly in that was important to advance me in particular at that moment. That's really hard for a lot of people to recognize where their behavior in so far as what makes them effective at their current role and with the people whom they are managing in the moment either is different and shouldn't be or isn't different but should be from how they behave with those who are senior to them. And, you know, I worked with someone a little while ago who was vying for an executive role over and over again and just kept getting passed over very much for the reason that you said in the beginning where her senior executive just kept saying, you know, she's so close, but something's just missing. What's missing? And but he didn't know how to put his finger on it. That's the hard part, right? And so to the extent that either you are out there and feel like, I don't know what's missing, but I'm not seen as, or you have someone who you want to promote out there. If anybody out there listening feels like, yeah, I got this person who I would like to give more opportunity to, but there's something about them. They just don't seem like they project leadership. Let's talk, right? Reach out later on offline. We'll, we'll have a conversation, but to help people figure out how to put their finger on that missing link. And once we did within about, I think it was four to six months. And she got that promotion because it was just a matter of realizing what she was doing that was getting in her own way, where others were seeing her as completely a leader, not just leadership material, but the people who needed to see her for her to move up to that next level were just missing something because she wasn't showing it to them the way that she was showing it to everybody else. That, well, I'm nervous. Who am I to be in this role? And they all outrank me. And what if, and am I allowed to assert myself? Where, what is my voice in this context. And, you know, we all have some of those messy head messages in there. So I think it's so critical. Thank you for sharing that story. Of course, you know, as an individual, and as you're thinking about what is your superpower, yes, there are a couple of different things that you need to do to test that. One is what is your why? Mm. And it's a hard question to ask for some, because you just don't give yourself the luxury of asking the question, but what is your why? Yes. And I had to ask myself, what is my why? Did you figure it out? I have figured it out. And there are different whys at different times, but my pure why is representation matters. Yes. And so because representation matters, I want to be able to advocate, advance, connect, and amplify so that everybody feels as though their voice is heard, their perspective is reflected. And we create a more cohesive world going forward. That's my why. That's great. And so as I am making decisions, as I am checking 
uh, myself for the next opportunity, it has to resonate with my why. Yes, very much so. And when you do, when you've got that internal integrity, it makes it so much easier to step out and let it be seen by the rest of the world. Absolutely. Well, this brings us now to our speed round. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to give you a couple of choices, things that I regularly hear in my training and coaching opportunities where people get stuck often in these sometimes false binary choices or they just feel like, well, I struggle with this, but you know, EJ was born perfect. She was born brilliant. She's never struggled with this kind of thing. She doesn't understand what it's like to be me. And- I spoke to my mother. She, she's <laughs> the only one who believes that. It's only my mother and I love her for it. <laughs> Mom, she found you out. We'll talk later. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you these questions and I'm going to ask you to give me your gut instinct reaction on this with a single word or phrase. And then I'll ask you for a little bit more explanation after that. So In your instinct, in your personal experience, when it comes to public speaking, how do you feel? Love it or hate it? Hate it. (laughs) And yet you seem very comfortable with it. So give us one tip then for how you can manage your nerves and speak so confidently and so what appears to be easily, nevertheless. What's one tip? It's about the why. Why am I doing it? Why am I getting up? If it's not worth it, if it's about oh, I want to make myself better. I want to show up. So that, you know, that why doesn't do it and the terror will take you. But if this is about your why, I want people to be better. I want us to be better. I want society to be better. So I'm going to get up every day and get past my own lack of love Mm. (laughs) and just do it. It gets better. I'll never say it's my favorite thing to do, but it gets better. It does. And for somebody for whom it is my favorite thing to do, I do love being out there and sharing and and talking. I love talking to you. I love having these conversations with everybody else out there, finding that love, finding that little thing to love about it. And if it feeds your why, there's a little bit of love in there, isn't it? It is. And right now, I'm just talking to my friend right now. And so I'm not worried about anybody else who's paying attention. This is girlfriend time. So that's what we're doing. Yes. Yes. And see, these are the what's important. It doesn't have to be thinking about, oh my gosh, well, how many people are really out there? Who are you talking to right now? Make a connection with that one person. Even if you're in a room full of 100 people, find one person. Talk to them. It's between you and them. Love it. I'm answering my own questions. All right. Back to you. (laughs) AJ, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I. I'm a functional. (laughs) I am truly an introvert. I am. It's in me, but I am a functional extrovert because I have to be. Okay. So as a genetic, we'll call it a genetic introvert, what's one strength that you have as a result of that extrovert introversion, excuse me. And what's one area that you're still working on? So I think a strength is I really listen to understand. Mm. I want to understand and empathize because I really want to understand it through your lens, not mine. Mm. And I think that's a really one of my biggest strengths as an introvert, right? The flip side is to get the message across and to lead groups, you have to be out there. Mm. And so it is absolutely exhausting. The flip side of thinking about I need to go to this gala or to this mm. event where I may be the only person I know going in the, you know, going in the yep. door and that's okay. And I know I'm going to have to talk to 50 people who I don't know at all. And yeah, I'm not there yet. Right. It, and I will get there, but it, that's not what gives me energy. You know, I don't get excitable about that. At the end of the night, I feel accomplished that who did that. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I want my book and my pillow and life is good. Sure. 
getting to be able to psych yourself up for those big energy opportunities, but knowing that at least you're going to come out having achieved something at the end of it. I think that's great motivation. And think of it, and I think of it as little mini goals, Yes, little mini goals. I had a mentor years ago who used to tell me, I need you to go in the room, find three people you don't know mm-hmm. and go talk to them. Just say hello, ask about the weather, doesn't matter. You need to practice. And so just like anything else, if it's not a muscle that you use often, or if it's not a muscle that you're comfortable with, you got to work it. You have to exercise it. You have to find those things to buff it up for you. Mm. Yes, baby steps, but they all take you in the right direction. All motion. Terrific. Then finally, conflict. Something nobody loves necessarily, but when faced with potential conflict or a difficult situation, difficult conversation, is your natural instinct to want to avoid it or to launch in and address it head on? Both. Learned behavior. Now I face it head on. I used to hate it. Used to hate it, used to avoid it. Now it's I knew that I didn't love it and it's a necessary and it's not an evil. Conflict is not evil. And that's what I had to get to. Conflict generates greater results. Yes. So your DNA says avoid, but you've realized that you need to address it, but it doesn't have to be terrible. Right. My DNA says peace. We're going to create peace. Mm. And my evolution has said peace comes through conflict. Yes. You can't get to peace unless you work through the conflict. I always say that conflict does not have to entail combat. Exactly. That's the art of diplomacy, right? I think it was uh, Newton who said that tact is the ability to make a point without making an enemy. Beautifully stated. Mm -hmm. Well, and I have an example. So my father, who's a professor, first generation, you know, I'm first generation. He came here sort of built up and is one of the elder statesmen of our Nigerian community here in the Mm -hmm. U.S. And I have seen him masterfully, masterfully. I am an observer of leadership. And I have watched him in particular masterfully bring people with diabolically (laughs) opposed perspectives together Mm. just by helping them listen to each other, be that translator and move things forward. Mm. And so the beauty of what comes, the beauty that can be built through the conflict, I'm all for it. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Wise words indeed. EJ, unfortunately, this brings us to the end of our of our interview today. I'm looking forward to talking to you more after we're done with the official interview. But for everybody else out there, how can they learn more about you and Kaiser Permanente? So Kaiser Permanente, easy to get to. You can go to aboutkaiserpermanente.org and you will get everything you need to know about Kaiser Permanente. And once you get there in the search queue, just put in impact spending and you will learn all about the work that we're doing in particular in that space. And as for me, (laughs) because believe it or not, I have a life outside of Kaiser Permanente. (laughs) I know it's so funny you get, especially in this boundaryless world that we're living sure. in right now, but to find me as EJ, you can go to Instagram at, at EJ speaks mm. and that's at I J E speaks. And also one of the things we didn't get to talk about today was I have started and I'm co-hosting and founded a platform called The Pink Couch. And it's with two girlfriends and it's all about talking about everything we've talked about today. How do we change the world one conversation at a time? I love it. 
You can find us at theofficialpinkcouch.com. We're on Instagram. We are on YouTube. (laughs) We are on Facebook. Find us wherever. But on Facebook, we're at the underscore pink couch. So look for us there and coming to a stage near you where uncomfortable conversations happen from the comfort of a couch. That sounds intriguing. Okay, so you know now where to go for all these kinds of insights. EJ, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you. This has been an absolute joy. What a great way to spend a Monday. Our first official Monday of October was spent together. I love it. I love it. And I want to thank everybody else out there for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speaking to influence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thank you for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.